600. There's much I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the Lord allowing me to hear the gospel. I'm thankful for, I mean, looking back again, all the circumstances that the Lord brought about in, in a boy's life to give me that place when I was right for my teenage years where I would hear the gospel. And uh, without coming up in a Christian home or anywhere close to it, but the Lord had organized it where I would be in a place hearing the gospel once a week. And, and I'm so grateful for that and thank, grateful for His mercy and His grace and thankful for uh, my family. Um, and uh, the Lord uh, has blessed so much there with the family and uh, my wife, my kids, I think of Daniel and, and the oldest and the Lord's working there. His life to Heather and Jordan there in Florida um, in church and serving to uh, Rachel and Josiah right here and just so faithful. And uh, um, to Bethany and Levi serving in their church there in Ohio. And, uh, and then Levi here, who is, you know, quickly becoming a man right before my eyes at 17 years old, getting ready to finish high school probably in just about a month or two. And, and buddy, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I appreciate your desire to do what's right and your faithfulness. And, and, I, and I certainly notice I'm up early, and I notice you're up early. And, and I know you're doing your devotions and things. And, and, uh, but I'm thankful for my family. And uh, I'm thankful for, uh, I mean, there's much to be thankful for. I mean, uh, the Lord's blessing upon our church, even in this, here in 2022, the last year, all that he's done. And uh, we've seen some, we've seen some, uh, Lord doing a lot of, uh, you know, the things that, um, you know, as a pastor, you get to see the Lord really work in a lot of people's lives that many of you don't even realize. And, uh and a lot of those are such a such an encouragement when you're pastoring to see that, and uh, I'm very grateful to, for that. Um, and uh, but I, I appreciate the Lord uh, allow me the privilege uh, to pastor uh, this church, and excited to see what the Lord's going to continue continue to do. Uh, even even Sunday, I forgot I, I really forgot to mention and during that evening service. I think I did when I was praying. Um, but we had uh, we had one lady pray she'll be back here on Sunday. She says she's coming, and she put her faith in Christ on uh, Sunday morning. Heard about us on the radio, came, had been listening for a while, decided to come to church, and she put her faith in Christ on Sunday morning. And uh, so we pray, and she'll come back. And uh, but excited to see what the Lord's doing. But I appreciate you all so much. And this is one thing about this church. There's just so many people here that want to work. Um, from the teachers and those who want to get, you know, that want to get involved, and it's just, it's just uh, certainly not the norm what you see, and uh, but I, and I appreciate that. Psalm 100. I want to read a couple of verses, and then, well, I'll I'll pray first. I want to get through this. It's already it's it's already going on eight. Uh, I also want to read some from Luke, but I'll, I'll go to Luke here in a minute. Let me read these two verses, and then we're going to pray, and go from there. Um, it says in verse number four of Psalm 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. It stresses being thankful, of course, in those verses. Twice it is given. 
being vanquished because the Lord is good. He is. doesn't matter what's going on in your life, the Lord is good. He is. Sometimes we, we tend to blame God for the different evil that comes about in our life, but He is good. He is. And I, I know in, in my own life how grateful I am and thankful I am for His mercy that is everlasting, for His grace, and of course for His truth that endureth to all generations. Anyhow, let's, uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray your blessing upon the service. I pray you should be glorified and honored. Please, Lord, I pray you control what I say and how I say it. Help me to stay true to your word. I pray that, Lord, that you would truly work in our heart. Even in this service, I pray it would not be in vain. Please, Lord, help us take just a few minutes for your spirit to work in our heart, especially to see the importance of us being thankful and, and how it can help us, Lord. I pray your blessing on this. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Again, Thanksgiving. I always like to give it a little review of it uh, during this service. Uh, the very first one, of course, goes back to, it wasn't a holiday yet, of course, we're not even a nation, it goes back to 1620. The pilgrims had landed, 102 landed in Plymouth. And we all know the story of what they had to endure immediately. This was a group that was seeking religious freedom and, and, and trying to get out from the government-controlled religious system of the day, wanting to worship God as they saw fit. And, they had, and you see God's hand in all of this, but they land, and boy, do problems hit. I mean, immediately. We, we know the story. After the first winter, they were there. Less than half survived. There was only about 50 alive when it was all said and done. And, of course, they, they meet the, the, the American Indi, Indian Squanto, and anyhow, they, they, and he ended up teaching them how to, how to plant corn, uh, what, uh, even how to fish properly right there, he taught them. Uh, uh, what to use, how to use the fish for fertilizer, what you don't eat. He taught them how to, ex- how to extract uh, uh, sap from maple trees. And anyhow, it goes on and on and on. All that, the help that was provided. And of course, that fall they had this great harvest. They had this feast to thank the Lord for all that he had did. And uh, it was just a, a, a special time knowing they made it. We got through this. This is going to work. We got this. And they were grateful because they knew God's hand was in it. They looked back. They saw God's, God was in control, his sovereignty, along with his uh, provision and his providence and all that was taking place. Of course, it never became a holiday until 1863. That, too, was the result of, of great trial and great heaviness. And in 1863, the Civil War, of course, was raging, and the North was doing horrible. They were basically losing every single battle. But then, 1863, that summer, though, we had the Battle of Gettysburg that took place. And in that battle, General Lee suffered a defeat. They were defeated. It was the turning point of the war. They don't win. It's likely if they don't win that battle, even though it's at Gettysburg, they lose even D.C. That, that, was, that was such a key battle of what took place. So much was at stake for that battle. And it was at that time that Abraham Lincoln had made uh, Thanksgiving a national holiday. Was, was then. And uh, that was, it's been moved a few times. He had it in August. It's been moved a couple of times since then. But that's when it officially became an American holiday. And uh, Thanksgiving or having that expression of gratitude in your life is so important. It really does affect your view of life. 
It, and that's what I want you to see today. Look over in Luke 17. Luke 17. I'm going to read one account here of something that took place in Luke 17. Starting in verse 11. It says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, by the way, keep in mind what's going on in the life of Christ at this time. I could just preach just on that. I think that's important, though, for another lesson for us to learn. This is at the very end of his ministry. He's getting ready, actually, to be arrested. He's heading into Jerusalem. That's going to be taking place. He's at the end of it. He knows what's coming. He knows he's getting, he knows the arrest, he knows the beating, he knows the crucifixion, he knows the, the, the judgment of Almighty, of his Father being placed upon him on the cross is, the time is now. And yet here he is helping these men. He's still helping wherever he could. So anyhow, they lift up and they cry out, have mercy on us. And he says, and when he saw them, he said unto them, go, shew yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And fell down on his face at his feet. So he goes back to Christ, falls down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Amazing. So these ten men had leprosy. I think you need to understand this disease, what it was like. I'm going to read to you what leprosy was like. Okay? I'm going to, I'm, I'm, this is a, 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 obviously not my words. This is somebody that actually understands what leprosy is and what it's about. And, and I want you to understand this, just how bad it was. It was, without a doubt, the most dreaded disease of the day. Being told you had leprosy would be similar to getting that call from the doctor today and, and told you have a stage four type of cancer, all right? But let's, let's get into, here's the comments, and this is a direct quote. This severe type of leprosy is caused by a bacteria. It attacks the nerves and the skin. Um, it numbs the body and the limbs so that the feeling is lost, and the potential for serious injury becomes large. It starts, we're told, with a white pat, with a white or pink patch uh, of the skin, usually on the brow, the nose, the ear, the cheek, the chin, and the head. The patch then begins to spread in all directions. A portion of the eyebrow disappears. Spongy, tumorous swellings grow. First of all, all over the face, and then begin to descend all over the body as the disease becomes, uh, what's that word there, um, systemic. It becomes also involved with the internal organs as well as the skin. Fingers and toes can be absorbed into the body, literally absorbing themselves into the body because of the bacillus invading the bone marrow, impairing blood supply, causing the bones to shrivel, and the rest of the body to shrivel as well. With the accompanying loss of feeling in the body due to nerve disease, the victim destroys his own tissue because he has no feeling. The bacillus can destroy the eye, causing blindness, penetrate the teeth so that they fall out, penetrates all the bodily organs, and affects the larynx so that one winds up with weak and raspy voice. 
not a pleasant disease. Horrible to have. Horrible to have. We understand that even in, even the Bible had put uh, um, restrictions and, and, and things that would necessarily take place when somebody was a, a leprosy, the banishment that would take place. They would have to yell out unclean when everybody passed by. If somebody passing by, they had to yell out unclean, unclean, so they knew they had leprosy. You could not come within six foot of a leper. That's the closest they could get to another human being, was six foot. If the wind was blowing... That changed to 150 foot when the wind was blowing. But think of that. Once you're diagnosed with that, you will never get close to a human being again. Six foot as close as you're going to get. Now, we come into this story. These ten have that horrible, horrible disease. Christ's ministry has been going on three years. They heard of his miracles, of his healing, of his power. And so they begin to cry out, have mercy on us. And no doubt, again, I still think of Christ. He has, by this time, he still would be worried from this journey and all that had taken place with it. And, but he still hears their plea. He has mercy on them and he says, go, show yourself unto the priests. And as they obeyed, Christ healed them. Now you could just imagine what was taking place with them. As they obeyed, all of a sudden, they're cleansed. They're healed. They're good. It's over. It's done. I mean, you can think of all that's going through their mind of, of having this dreaded disease, no hope, the isolation, all that goes with it. And all of a sudden, in a moment in time, it's over with. The nine, nine of the ten take off. No doubt they, they want to go back to wives and kids and say, look. I mean, they would, have been, they would have been so excited over all of it. And just wanting to go to family, wanting to, 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 to hug their wife, to hug their children. But only one, one, turns around and begins to glorify God. Do you know how often God blesses us and we forget He is the blesser? We enjoy the blessings that he gives us. But we tend to forget him so quick. So this fellow goes all the way back to Christ and just drops. That's worship. By the way, the sermon on this, I've mentioned this from this text before when I've read it or used it as an illustration. This sermon threw me off for years because I heard an unscriptural sermon based on this text called Where Are the Nine? And that dealt with the idea that it was, an, it was a sermon justifying the idea of just pray a prayer and you're saved. It was justifying it. How? Because the argument against it that people were giving was the fact that you're saying you have 5,000 saved every year, but your church isn't growing. Something's wrong. The sermon preached by the Number one pastor at the time uh, in our country preached a message called Where Are the Nine? Justifying it. How? Nope, they were still all healed. Even though they didn't come back and say thank you, they were still healed. And he preached that that was their salvation. That's not their salvation. Do you understand that? They were simply healed. To use this scripture in that manner is completely, that's unscriptural and it's manipulative. That's all that is. 
This is not dealing with their salvation. That's not it. The Bible says this, plain as day, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, but all things are become new. You do have a desire for God when salvation hits. That's a fact. <clears throat> but that's, I don't, let me, let me move on here. This one comes back, he drops down and he worships. He was thankful. He came back, just like it says, to say thank you. It's so important we have that trade in our life. There's different examples here that I'm going to run through very quickly. It's already 8 o'clock. And I'm going to try to give these very quickly so we can get downstairs. I know there's a lot of food preparation needs to go on tomorrow. So I'm going to run through these. It, one, this affected that man's relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as compared to the other. Christ ends up talking about this man about his faith. Thy faith, you know. He, so uh, it, this man had something different with God than the rest. And part of that, what led to that, him going back to God was the fact of gratitude, was the fact of being thankful before God. It's one of those things that always brings you to the Lord, that drives you to God when you have a sense of gratitude about you. And it is something you can pray about and say, Lord, I need that in my life. We see with, with Mary Magdalene how it led to service and sacrifice. She was willing to sacrifice and to serve. You want to know the emotion that is given that led to that? was gratitude. Simply knowing all that God did, keeping it in perspective. That's what allows you to be in a place in your life when you're willing to sacrifice. When you think it's all of your hand, of your doing, you're not nearly willing to sacrifice as much. We see even in our text, it led for this man personally getting further direction and understanding. If he doesn't have gratitude, that doesn't take place in his life. It led to direct uh, it led to getting direction right from God. You know what else it does? We, I, I, we just came through First Thessalonians chapter five, dealing with in everything, give thanks. You know what it protects you from? Gratitude? Don't you think about this? It does. Listen to me. Bitterness. It does. Protects you from bitterness. When you're thankful, even when things are going wrong, when you have the ability to say, you know what, I know what I am thankful for. <clears throat> it demonstrates faith. You know, when I want you to think about this man, because his gratitude, especially in the day we live in, don't miss this. This one that turned back and worshipped the Lord, thanking him. Now, think about this. What led to his worship was gratitude. It wasn't a drum set and two guitars. It wasn't. Do you understand that? What leads to true worship is not stirring music. Genuine worship before God? No. You don't need that there for that. But gratitude, though. You know, and I can make my point about the, the dangers of that and relating that to God. Because, again, you just use that music. Put any, you can almost put any words to it, and it'll still be moving to you. It would be. 
what leads to ingratitude in our life. Romans chapter 1. Look at Romans chapter 1. This is fascinating. One of, one of my, my, personally, one of my favorite theologians, he died in the 1980s, wrote primarily in the 60s and 70s. I certainly don't agree with all he said, but he did not write doctrinal points like that. Is a man named Francis Schaeffer. And he had certainly had influence on my life when I was reading. And anyhow, he talks about Romans one twenty one. It says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Francis Schaeffer said about this, he said, the beginning of man's rebellion against God was and is the lack of a thankful heart, where it starts there. And that's true in your own life. You know, you, those things that begin to get tapped, but the devil begins to break down in your life. He's, if he's going to start to draw you away from God, he has to steal from you that spirit, that, that, that attitude of gratitude, that thankful spirit before God. Self-centeredness, a self-centered life will kill gratitude in your life. But when you see yourself as you really are before a holy and almighty God, you know what it does every time? It humbles you. But when you're just focused outside of that, you and comparing yourself among yourselves, you think you're just great. You become like the Pharisee. Lord, I'm glad I'm not like, not, I, I, I'm not like this publican. No, you need to see yourself as you are before God. Another thing that causes ingratitude in our life is, is simply wrong perspective. All we see in the bad in life and never the good. All we see in the bad in everything. You, you've met those people where it seems it doesn't matter what happens, they just want to pick out the negative that goes with it. Why do you want to live that way? I like what uh, Brother June had said. Where's he at? Is he in here somewhere? Oh, he's ushering. He's ushering. And I, if you saw his finger from that dog bite he had, oh my goodness. But he's up here. You know what he saw? He saw the good in it. I can sit with my finger. That's what he said. <clears throat> see, the, see where the good is present. Wrong perspective. And sometimes, and I, I, the Lord will do this for your benefit. Doesn't, it's not like God does things to us out of vengeance, His children. He does things for, for, for our benefit. But there are times, if you're not careful, I believe God will put a measure of a, of a way that only He knows how to put a certain measure of chastisement in your life that will finally get you to a place of gratitude. When all of a sudden you begin to lose so much. You know, whether that's, I seen it with a spouse. I remember I working, with a, working with a guy when I was in management at Continental back in the 90s. And he had, he had uh, decided, and I, I remember thinking, this guy's just dumb with a box of rocks. He had he decided he's going to run off with another woman that was at the place that worked there, Continental, and leave his wife. 
that lasted, I don't know, that lasted maybe a year. I don't know what it was. But I remember I was in the office with, with the general manager, and he had happened to come in. And his wife, his now ex-wife, had come in and came in and dropped something off to him. Hardly a word was spoken, and she left. And so the three of us are left standing there. And I remember the conversation that's happening right now, every word of it. He had said, she never looked that pretty for me. And Steve was the man. He looked right at him and goes, yes, she did. You never noticed. And he was right. He just never noticed. We're not going to turn there for time's sake, but we also see two other things that lead to it. In Deuteronomy chapter 11 through 14, that will lead to ingratitude. That is your pride, and that is, watch this, forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. That will lead to it in your life. Let me finish with this, and we'll close. There's much we can be thankful for. Obviously, most of all, we should be thankful for our Creator and all that He's done for us, the salvation that He's, that he's provided. I could just describe that. Uh, I'm not going to tonight, but it really is incredible. If I was just to take time to describe what He did in order to save you from your sins. If you have nothing else in life, that alone should put you at such a place of gratitude before Almighty God. But for God's grace in our life, the fact that we have a church. A church. I get calls all the time. People, man, I, I can't find a church here. Do you know of anything here? And I'm grateful for our nation. It's changing rapidly. It still is a tremendous nation. We still have churches right now meeting right, from, not counting time zones, but this evening, think of all still really good churches in our nation that met just this evening. I'm going to close with this, talking about our nation. Think about this. I found this. And I'm going to read it. Read this. It has been calculated that if you are reduced the world's population to a city of 1,000 people, Okay, so this is now, this 1,000 people in one city is going to represent the entire world. All right? Of the 1,000, 46 of those would be Americans. Okay, 46 of the 1,000 are Americans. <clears throat> the other 954 would represent the rest of the world's population. Those 46 out of the 1,000 would receive half of the income of the city. The other one half would be divided among the remaining 954 people. The 46 Americans would have a life expectancy of 75 years, while the other 954 would not be close to that. The Americans would have 15 times as many possessions per person as all of the rest of the 954. While the Americans would receive more than their daily, daily food requirement, 800 of the 954 uh, wouldn't have what we call a balanced meal. Anyhow, it goes on. We have a great deal to be thankful for. We do. There's, there is a lot of crazy bad stuff going in our nation. But don't forget about the good stuff. All right? Don't forget about that. Don't forget about that at the same time. 
Anyhow, let's conclude tonight by just having a time of prayer and thanking the Lord with heads bowed and eyes closed.